You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Hi everyone, my name is Glenn Barrett. I'm the Senior Minister of Audacious Church and I want to welcome you to this Audacious Leadership Podcast. Today what I want to talk to you about is decision making, the art of making the right decision. I'm sure that if you are like me, there have been many times in your life when you have made the wrong decision. But how do you make the right decision? What does the Bible say about that? And how can we make sure as leaders we're making the right decision for our own lives, but also and ultimately for the lives of those that we are influencing through our leadership? Before we get there, I wanna first address some of the myths associated with decision-making, things that I've heard over many years, over two decades of pastoral leadership, many things that I've heard people say. So 10 myths on decision-making. And myth number one is this, is God's will is hard to find. Many people have said that to me. God's will is hard to find. Pastor Glenn, will you pray with me? Will you help me? I'm struggling to find God's will for my life. I actually don't think that it is necessarily or needs to be a struggle to find God's will. Proverbs chapter 6, 22, the whole context of it says this, when you walk, God's word will guide you. When you sleep, God's word will watch over you. When you are awake, God's word will speak to you. And I think ultimately that it's really important at the outset of all major decision-making, whether or not who you should marry, uh, what job you should take, uh, even necessarily what church you should go to. Remember this, it's not hard to find God's will. God's word is key. The second myth in decision-making is this, is God wants us to know the future. It is amazing how many times people have balked at making a decision because they really wanna be sure of what the future is. But I think that is, a myth. I don't think it's necessarily true that God wants us to know the future. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 105, your word, God, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So I don't think it's necessarily about knowing what the future looks like, but I think it's about having faith for just the next step because it is our steps that lead us into our future. The third myth is this, is that I have to be 100% certain of the outcome before I make the decision. Again, it's a myth. The Bible says this in Proverbs 16 verse nine, in his heart, her heart, a man or woman plans their course, but it is the Lord who determines their steps. You know, I think when you think about people like Mary, uh, you know, encountering the Archangel Gabriel, what a crazy moment in time where this young virgin teenage girl discovers that she is pregnant with the Saviour, with the Messiah. I am sure that she had many unanswered questions in that whole process and period of time. How would she explain it to her parents? How did she explain it to the community and to her friends? But what she did know was this, was God had spoken and God would perform it. So I don't think we need to be 100% certain of the outcome before we make a decision. Fourth myth is this, is that God's ultimate aim is for me to be happy. Again, I think it's a myth. I don't think it's God's ultimate will 
for you and for me to simply be happy. Now, in eternity, maybe. We're gonna be happy in eternity. There'll be no weeping, there'll be, there'll be no sorrow, there'll be no mourning. The Bible is very clear for that. But one thing we have to bear in mind is this, is we live in a fallen world, we live in a broken world. And the reality is this, is God is committed to your holiness before He's committed to your happiness. So it's a myth. Fifth myth is this, ease indicates God's way. Ease is an indicator of God's way. I don't think it's true. The Bible says this, Psalm 37 verse 23, the steps of a good man and woman, they are ordered by the Lord. Now what I've discovered about steps is this, sometimes steps take me up, sometimes they take me down. Sometimes the steps take me um, uh, across a flat path. Sometimes I step on the spot. Sometimes I step backwards. Sometimes I step to the side. And the Bible doesn't really tell us about the nature of the steps, only that our steps are ordered by God. So I think that it's a great fallacy when we use ease as a sign of God's way. The sixth myth is this, I have a feeling of peace. I just feel like I have God's peace. The trouble with feelings is this, is that feelings are incredibly subjective. So feelings go up and feelings go down. I don't know if Jesus felt good about dying on a cross, but he certainly had the peace of God around it. Sometimes I think we use peace as, as another way of, of getting our own way. You know, uh, many times I've been in, in situations where I've been counselling with somebody and, and they've, they've had a, a good feeling of peace about a bad decision. Let me give you an example. For a married person to have an affair with another person is a bad decision. It's not godly. But I have been in counselling sessions when people have said to me, well, I had the peace of God about it. No, you didn't. You used peace in feelings as a way to get your own way. The seventh myth associated with decision-making is this, I have to do this on my own. I've got to tough it out. I've got to do it on my own. The Bible says in Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool seems right to them, but a wise person listens to advice. Proverbs 11, verse 14, where there is no counsel, people fall, but in a multitude of counsellors, there is safety. So I want to encourage you, choose your counsellors wisely. Choose those who've walked the journey, who've, who've got proven fruit in the area of decision-making that you need to make. The eighth myth associated with decision-making is this, is that the pros have to outweigh the cons. You ever been in a situation where maybe someone has said, uh, what you need to do is draw a line down the middle of the paper, write the pros on one side and the cons on the other. I actually can't see that as a Bible mandate for decision-making anywhere. In actual fact, if you think of the life of Gideon, of, of Noah, of Joshua, of Moses, of Paul, of Timothy, usually on paper, the negatives outweighed the pros. And so I would suggest that actually it is the worst way to make a decision especially when it comes to faith decisions in context with what God has said. Faith doesn't always make sense on paper. The ninth myth is this, is that good decisions 
need a lot of time to consider. Again, I believe it's a myth. I don't believe that we have to spend lots of time um, waiting to make the good or the right decision. I remember many years ago when my daughter was young, as my wife was driving, um, reversing out of the car park, out of, out of the driveway of our house, my little daughter ran behind the car. I didn't have to think or pray or wait about making a good decision to shout stop to my wife. I, I, I knew instinctively the right thing to do. So I don't necessarily believe that we have to spend lots of time considering right choices. And the 10th myth is this, is people say to me, I am a bad decision maker. People have said that before. I'm always making bad choices. No, you're not. Just because you made a bad choice before, it doesn't mean you're gonna make a bad choice again because the Bible says His mercies are new every morning. So let me give you then some top tips on decision making. In actual fact, I've given you 10 myths. Now let me give you the top 10 tips on how to make good decisions for your life and ultimately for the lives of those that you are influencing also. Top tip number one is this, what does the Bible say? I am more interested in what the Bible says than what somebody feels and even necessarily what they think. I wanna know what does the Bible say? Certainly as followers of Jesus Christ, as Christians, we should be making the Word of God, the Bible, the final authority in matters of faith. So the question again is this, is what does the Bible say? Let me give you some verses on this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. It says this, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. In other words, with the decision that you're about to make, does it truly bring glory to God? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership can have righteousness have with lawlessness or what fellowship does light have with darkness? What does the Bible say? Be careful what partnerships you have. Proverbs 22 verse seven, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. So when it comes to your working with money, your borrowing, your use of credit cards and loans. The Bible's pretty clear on that. Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So in the context of what does the Bible say, I wanna know is the decision that I'm about to make, is the decision you're about to make, is it true, honourable, right, pure, lovely, of good repute? What does the Bible say about it? The second top tip for making good decisions is this. I think it's important to get the facts. Get the facts. I mean, have you ever jumped to a conclusion have you ever, in hearing some information, has one plus one ever equaled three? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you made a decision before you heard the facts? The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 17, the first to plead his case seems right until another person comes along and examines it. In other words, get the facts. 
My son, when he was younger, was, was really painful when it came to movies. Only in the context that he was always asking questions. What's that? Who's that? Why did that happen? What does that mean? Why do you think he did that? Really what he was doing was he was working hard to establish the facts to gain proper understanding of what was going on. So I would encourage you, don't ever let wishful thinkings, wishful thinking or emotions get the best of you. Remember, there's always two sides to every story. It is so important for us to get the facts. The third top tip to decision making is this, is reject the pressure to make the decision. The Bible says, Proverbs 19 verse two, it's not good to be without knowledge. And he who makes haste with his feet makes an error. Proverbs 21 verse five, the plans of the diligent lead to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes to poverty. I'm sure you've been into a, in a situation where you've walked into a shop or maybe you've received an email and the email says once in a lifetime opportunity or the pressure of, of purchasing something now because if you don't get it now, it might be gone next time you come. 20% off now, uh, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity. The reality is this, is that FOMO, fear of missing out, often causes us to make hasty decisions and end up with buyer's remorse or decision-making remorse. I think whenever we feel the pressure to make a decision now, that we should reject that pressure as much as we possibly can and always consider options and always allow time for God to speak to us. The fourth way to make a good decision is to honestly evaluate your motives. Really be honest in that. Proverbs 16 verse two, all the ways of a person are clean in their own sight, but the Lord weighs our motives. Proverbs 20 verse nine, who can say I have cleansed my heart, I am pure from my sin. Usually when we're making decisions, whatever that decision is, it comes from a, a motive. And I actually think that one of the really good signs of maturity in our lives is our ability to assess our motives. Why do we want to um, buy that thing? Why do we want to take up that position? Why do we want that title? Why do we want that opportunity? Because the Bible's very, very clear that the Lord weighs our motives. Sometimes I think that we can seem to be pure in our, in our motivation, but in reality, sometimes there can be hidden, uh, dark, um, ulterior motives of, of self-indulgence and whatever that may be. So I think it's really important in our decision-making to answer the question, why? Why am I making this decision? Why is this important to me? Why do I need this thing? The fifth way to make a good decision is to use your past to help you. The Bible says in Proverbs 26, 11, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Proverbs 17, verse 10, a rebuke goes deeper into one who has understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. Listen, I want you to know that all of our family backgrounds can either taint us or can equip us to move forward. 
I think that we all have examples in our lives of how a negative experience in the past has hindered us from moving forward. But we also have examples in our past of how a positive experience in our history has helped us to move forward and gain success. I think whether our historic experience is good or bad, we can use both as an opportunity for learning in order to move forward. So I would encourage you to, to simply make the decision to allow your past experience to help you in moving forward. To make a mistake once is okay. To make it twice is tolerable. But to make the same mistake three times is absolute madness. I guess I see this sometimes played out in people's relationships with a boy, with a girl, with a man, with a, with a woman, the, the same failure in, in relationships, uh, the same failure in choosing that type of person is okay once and tolerable twice, but a third time is craziness. Folks, let's use our past as an opportunity for learning to move forward. The sixth top tip in decision-making is to ask the question, what do the wise people say? What do the wise people say? The Bible says, Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance, people fall, but in the abundance of counselors, there is wisdom. Proverbs 18, verse one, the one who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. Proverbs 18, two, a fool does not delight in understanding but only in revealing his own mind. You know, sometimes it is possible to seek wisdom without really wanting it. Often people have come to me to try and sell me their idea when in actuality, the decision they're about to make is actually foolish. I think it is so important in the major decisions of life to really ask wise people, what do you say? What do you think? So before you make a financial decision, a financial investment, whatever that may be, get wise people around you who know how money works. Seek wise counsel before maybe you enter into another relationship. Don't just ask your friends what they think, but ask people who have wisdom in relationships, what are the right choices to make? Because it is folly to simply um, make our own decisions without getting counsel from wise people around us. The wisest man to ever live, arguably, was King Solomon. God said to him, what's the one thing? If I could do one thing for you, Solomon, what would that be? And Solomon said, I want wisdom. Folks, I urge you, seek wisdom. The Bible says, though it cost you everything, gain wisdom. The seventh top tip for decision-making is this, consider the consequences because every decision has a consequence. Can I say it again? Every decision has a consequence. Anything you do in the moment, impulsive in the moment, it always has a consequence. Proverbs 14, 15, the naive believe everything, but the prudent person considers their steps. Proverbs 27 verse 12, a prudent person sees evil 
and hides themselves. The naive proceed and pay the penalty. I think it's so important to consider the consequences. Consider the consequences of this next relationship. Consider the consequences of this investment that you're about to make. Friend, consider the consequences of using your credit card again without thinking about the budget implications on your future. To actually assess potential risks. To ask the question, if I do this, then what will happen? So consider the consequences. The eighth top tip in decision-making is this, is to ask this question, does this decision taint my integrity? Does it taint my integrity? Proverbs 10 verse nine, the one who walks in integrity walks securely, but the one who perverts their ways will be found out. Proverbs 20 verse seven, a righteous person who walks in integrity, how blessed are their children after them. Integrity, you know, is everything, I think, in the life of a Christian leader. Integrity is so important in the life of a Christian believer. Uh, over the years, people have said to me, Glenn, how, how far can I go before something becomes sin? Uh, how close to the edge can I get in a relationship with a person before it crosses the line into, into wrong behaviour, wrong thinking, wrong speaking? What are the limits that I can get to before I sin? I actually think that's the wrong question. I think rather than getting as far as we possibly can before we sin, before we err, what we should do is actually live within a circle of integrity as close to the middle as possible. I think a good way to really answer the integrity question is to really ask yourself this, would my life pass the newspaper test? If people came to investigate my life, what would they find? Would there be skeletons in my closet or not? And can I say this, if there are skeletons in your closet, then today, right now, is a good time to actually make a decision before God to change your ways to live a life of integrity. The ninth way to make the right decision, and we're nearly there now, the ninth way is this, is to ask yourself the question, is there a better way to make a greater impact? Is there a better way to make a greater impact? Proverbs 11 verse 30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and the person who is wise wins souls. And I love that. I think it's time to reinvent the wheel. I'm so glad that that phrase, never reinvent the wheel, is, is just, was, was never adhered to because otherwise we would have stone wheels on our cars but somebody reinvented the wheel. And I think that sometimes in life, it's important to understand that there are often better ways to make a greater impact, which is why we need the, the wisdom of counselors around us to speak into our lives in the decision-making process. My final tip, which should probably be the first tip, is this, pray, pray. Get the mind of God. Philippians 4 verse six. Don't be anxious about every, anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests before God. Luke 11 verse nine, Jesus speaking. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. 
Ephesians 6.18, pray in the Spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of God's people. Luke 18 verse one, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. 10 top tips on how to make awesome, audacious decisions in your life. And my prayer is this, as you prayerfully consider these points, that each and every one of you, myself included, we would all go to the next level in making good decisions in life. Be blessed. Look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 